Welcome to the Lions Podcast, a very special edition. It is the Open Championship 2023. Matt Brown, Stephen Anders, John Hossbauer here. We are going to try and make you some money this week, if at all humanly possible. Uh, we have had a pretty good golf season so far. If you've been over in the Discord, you've seen we've, uh, listen, when we're not hitting the the outrights, we're certainly at least making some money in the placement market stuff. So be sure, absolutely free if you have not done that, head to lines.com, upper right-hand corner. Up there, you can see the little icon, and you can join. Get in on the conversation. We're doing all of that. If you're watching us on the YouTube, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. You know you want to. You know you want to. It doesn't cost you a dime. We're just doing it for free for you here. So go ahead and do that. You're going to not only get golf content, but everything that we do throughout the course of the year. And if this is on the audio side, hit the pause button. little five-star stuff always helps us out a little bit. So... John does an awesome preview. If you've not been to the lines, if it's your first time being exposed to us, the link is in the description, but he's here with us. So we might as well go ahead and get the goods on all this, John. So what are we going to get this week from a course standpoint? I mean, again, this is, we got links style golf last week, but it's not necessarily, it wasn't a true links course, but Royal Liverpool is definitely a true links course. Yeah, for sure. And just to establish credibility from the top, I did spend a semester abroad in, in London, England. So oh, I do humble consider brag. England Let's listen, to look be... at that. Look, you see that, Stephen? Look at that humble brag that we just got right there. Yeah. You know? I, I want people to know that I, <laughs> I, know, this guy. I know England. Um, so, yeah, I, I consider England to be a second home. I would petition to put myself on the English Ryder Cup team. That's that's kind of the ties that I have. Um, also, Europe, how but... bad the roster is this year. Yes, correct. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, do you want me or Sepp Straka in the 12? I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of a toss-up. Um, but yes, Hoy Lake, uh, Royal Liverpool Golf Club, our first time here since 2014 when Roy McIlroy uh, won. And uh, Roy McIlroy has not won a major since 2014. So obviously he is going to be the biggest storyline uh, whenever you win the week prior and the prior tournament held at this course, um, you will naturally be one of the favorites. He's the odds on favorite. Um, and before Rory won here, it was Tiger Woods who won. So um, if that trend continues, I guess you just hand the trophy, the jug to Scotty Scheffler because it seems like the best player in the field um, just asserts his dominance at a course like this. Um, but that's not really the way that Lynx golf should be. There should be a little bit of randomness. The uh, elements will come into play the identity of Royal Port, uh, Royal Liverpool uh, is that it is so exposed to the coast and the elements. And if we know anything about Lynx golf, it's that the elements ultimately dictate the conditions and the scoring opportunities. And if it's calm, it's gettable. And if it's anything more than a breeze, it is going to be a grind. Uh, I think we'll see a mix of both looking at the forecast, obviously encourage everybody recording this on Monday evening, so definitely encourage everybody to keep an eye on the forecast Tuesday, even Wednesday, before locking up your bets. I don't think I'll put any placements in until Wednesday, maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday. Definitely keeping a close eye on the T-splits, see if there's any weather uh, wave advantage. I think it's too early to say that for now. Um, but it's obviously a week first and foremost, more than any other week on the schedule, to keep a very close eye on the weather because there is an advantage to be had potentially um, if the weather is not affecting everybody in the field in the same way. Steven, as we take a look at the odds board here, Rory McIlroy is your short shot. You can find him as high as plus 750 in the market, as low as plus 525 actually out there. Scotty Scheffler comes in second at a plus, uh, high as plus 850, as low as 6-1. to one. John Rahm, who we didn't see last week, 
sitting about 13 to 1 right now is the best number you can find on him. And then uh, Cam Smith comes in, the only guy that is really under under uh we can find you know under the 20s that we can find out there uh smith coming in 18 to 1 everyone else 22 or longer that starts with brooks Kep- brooks kepka that you can find at 22 and longer as you were going down the odds board here and of course this has changed drastically over the course of the last month and we should always say like whenever we go into these major tournaments these majors odds get posted far earlier than the week-to-week tournaments and so these things have the biggest chance to move have the biggest swings throughout the course of when they open to when they actually go off. I mean, listen, you're looking at Ricky Fowler right now, who the best in market rate that you can find is 25 to 1. I personally have a 37 to 1 ticket on Ricky Fowler, and I'm sure had you made it a little bit earlier than that, you probably were getting 45, 50, maybe even 60 to 1 on him. So uh, lots of changes here, but did anything jump out to you whenever you were looking at the odds board? Well, since we're all humble bragging, I didn't spend a semester in England, but I do have a hundred to one Ricky Fowler ticket for this tournament. So, so, so there, there you go. So it's, perfect so example. So, uh, but that doesn't help anybody on this show. So. Well, guess what? I didn't spend a semester in England, nor do I have a hundred and one, hundred to one ticket on race. So I don't have anything to brag about. So we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go on from there. Yeah. We're going to need a resume after this show. Just to yeah. see. anyway, uh, let's start with the top of the board because I disagree with Rory McIlroy being the favorite. I think, um, okay. major recency bias off of him winning the Scottish last week. I think if you look at the overall stats for this year, the favorite should start and end with Scotty Scheffler. That's, that's the discussion. He's has been, Tiger Woods at his peak levels good from T to green. We talked about this at length in the U.S. Open podcast a little while ago. Um, and if he has one of his better putting weeks, he should win this tournament by multiple strokes. Um, there is, to John's point, a bit of random randomness when we're talking about Lynx golf. But if Scotty Scheffler is not the favorite to win this tournament, then there's a trickle-down effect to some other markets as well. And I am going to bet Scotty Scheffler um there's a plus 100 still out there on scotty to finish top 10 in this tournament the last time he finished outside the top 10 was in april and he finished 11th i mean it's just an amazing stretch he's on since october he's been outside the top 10 three times and the worst finish of those three was 12th place so it's just incredible the run that yes. scotty is on the odds he are has not short. been outside the top 12 since october of 2022 amazing if that tells anybody anything the fall swing which nobody yeah. cares about and players are like testing stuff and if he was testing stuff he feel still finished really highly so um for me plus money on scotty scheffler at top 10 at this point is a misprice um it's not my philosophy to bet guys shorter than 10 to one in an outright market. So he's not going to make my card, but I want some type of exposure to this tiger woods, like heater that he is on. So I'm going to bet him top 10. Yeah. If you take a look, I mean, we could, John, we could talk about Scotty Scheffler basically for the whole podcast. If we wanted to, you go all the way back to Bay Hill, uh, Bay Hill's a T four. He loses a stroke to the field putting. You go to the, the match play. He finishes outright fourth. He loses 2.6 strokes to the field putting. At Augusta, he's a T10, losing 3.9. You go a little bit further back to Colonial, he's a T3, losing 4.5. Muirfield, an outright three, losing 8.5. And even last week at the Renaissance Club at T3, he loses 2.2 to the field putting. I mean, this guy, if he even putts at level, he's winning another three or four tournaments basically this, this season. So 
I'm kind of, I don't make a practice of betting these short shots outright, especially when you can get a top 10 for not really that much cheaper than you can get uh, for a guy to win outright. So he's been a, he's been a print fest. If you've been doing that all season long, and I don't see any reason why to think that, that Scotty Scheffler in this field won't be able to kind of replicate what he's done, as we mentioned, since October of 2022. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we talk about randomness at, at this course, it, it's random in the sense that uh, you, if you play the 17th hole at noon and somebody else plays the 17th hole at, at, at uh, three, you right. might be hitting like three different clubs. It's based on the severity sure. of the wind, the direction of the wind. And that may give you an advantage depending on, on tee times and things of that nature. But if you hit good shots, they're going to be rewarded here. And this is not the type of links course where you hit it in the center of the fairway and it catches this giant slope and it kicks left into a pop bunker. Like by and large, the hazards are in front of you. You know where you can and can't miss. And if you have a good caddy with you and you devise a game plan and you execute that game plan, you're going to do well here. So this is not, when I talk about randomness, this is not like a, I want to bet all the 101 long shots mm-hmm. like I would in a putting contest. The, I do expect the cream to rise to the top. I do think Scotty Scheffler uh, will be in the hunt come um, come Sunday. The one thing I would say that, you know, I, I bet Scotty Scheffler on a near single bullet at the U.S. Open, and the reason why I don't feel inclined to do that this week is that it, this course really takes the creativity out of the skill sets that you need. You're not hitting a swooping fade, a swooping draw. You're not curving it around trees. Uh, you're not like hitting off of like a, a weird uh, downslope like you would at Augusta where you need to hit these field shots. It's very flat and it's very straight and it's right in front of you. So I think he's not necessarily gaining significantly on the field with all the shots in his bag uh, with the layout that we have at Hoylake. So I do want to get y'all's opinion on the type of golfer you were looking at this week. I sure, you know, we're, we're all golf geeks here, but to kind of share our golf geekdom, I'm sure you guys watch all the flyovers and things just like I do. And you kind of look at these holes and you start to get the breakdowns of things. And I think John, when you, when you look at this and as we start to build our models and Steven, I'm, I'm curious as to how you built, built your model as well. The thing I kept noticing is these bunkers, they strategically placed them kind of in this area to where they estimated where a lot of people are driving the ball. And it's like, if you are not super long, then you better be pretty friggin' accurate or you're going to end up end up in one of these bunkers in the middle of the fairway. And like, depending on where the ball ends up in the bunker, it could be a full on penalty stroke. Cause you might only be able to kind of chip out of there and stuff. So it's like, I, I factored in driving distance fairly heavily for me this week, because if you can fly at 290 in the air, you're going to miss these like 275, 280, 285 ish pot bunkers in the middle of these fairways. And I actually think that's going to present a really, really big advantage this week to completely take those out of play. Yeah. And they made renovations to this course in 2020, I believe. They made a concerted effort since the 2014. Uh, 2014 Open here that Rory won to make those bunkers more of a threat, uh, more of a factor of a decision that you have to make if you're going to go for it or lay back. And I think they've done a good job of that. As you said, looking at the flyovers, they are going to be right in that like 300-yard sweet spot uh, where you have to make a decision. I think total driving is paramount this week, and the number one thing that I put a weight on mm-hmm. is guys who, with driver in hand and hitting a 300-yard shot, know exactly where not to miss it. Um, yeah. I, I think this is not a course like a Florida swing where you have like 
water on the left and water on the right or water on the right and severe penalty on the left. The tradition, like mainly on this course, you know, you can't miss right, but you can bail out a little bit left or you can't miss mm -hmm. left. You can bail out a little bit right. Um, so guys who can mitigate their misses, but also hit it long because there's seven par fours over 450 here. There's two 600 plus par fives. The par threes are long and that's not even taking wind into account. If any of those holes have wind in your face, you could add a hundred yards to some of these holes. Yeah. So uh, distance important. Can't spray it here either, which I think makes it a great test as a major. Steven, how much did you wait driving distance this week? And, and, you know, one of the things that I always tell people and, and look, I'm a terrible golfer, but if, if you look at these guys that are actually good, if they're, even if you're clubbing down, right? Like even if there's a choice being made to club it down, the guys that are longer, the guys that are more accurate, nine times out of 10 are still going to be that with a three wood or be that with a five wood or whatever they decide to go off the tee with and, and all that. So it's like, when I'm looking at this driving stuff, like I, I I kind of take that into consideration as well, where whether if they decide to play a whole smart you know, air quote smart, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, you know, me never, I'm just always just, you know, grip it and rivet or whatever. I'm never playing a whole smart, but if they decide to play a whole smart, it's still a completely different animal for these guys that are longer, that are more accurate. And especially if you have the combination of the two, then that's the kind of the ultimate key here. What did you do with the model, Steven, from, from a driving and at least from an accuracy standpoint, I definitely have driving distance in there. I did not wait it as much as I did for the U.S. Open, considering that L.A. Country Club had some of the widest fairways you'll ever see for a major championship, even though of all the talk of rollouts and it might go into the rough and whatnot. I mean, I was frankly feeling pretty fortunate that Wyndham Clark cashed that bet for me because I thought he sliced it onto the driving range on the 72nd hole and it somehow held the fairway. So I don't think that's going to be the case at Royal Liverpool. Um, I think distance will be an advantage to your point. Um, I don't think it's an eliminator for um, an outright consideration if they are not one of the longest players here. So um, the way I'm kind of looking at it, you know, US Open, I think I had like 25% in my model for driving distance. And this, mm -hmm. this year I have it in there or this event, I have about 10%, but fairways gained is more heavily weighted. So I kind of have like a total driving situation going on in what I built, but weighted a little more heavily to accuracy. Um, but to your point, I will also concede that if the wind starts whipping here a little bit and you're going into the wind on some of these holes, it could be a disqualifier for some of these short hitters if they can't even reach some of these greens or if, you know, I mean, Rory McIlroy on the 72nd hole of the Scottish Open is hitting a freaking one iron into the green and he's one of the longest hitters off the tee. I mean, Lee Trevino said if you're in a, in a thunderstorm and you're afraid of lightning, hold up a one iron because not even God can hit a one iron. And Rory's yeah. hitting this into the green to win a tournament. So what what are other guys hitting? Driver off the deck and, and winding up 30 yards short if there's a stiff wind you're hitting into? So um, it doesn't look too, again, very early forecast, but it doesn't yeah. look too bad on Thursday and Friday. But Saturday and Sunday, we're looking at some potentially sustained winds in the teens. And obviously in the UK, if you've ever been there, you know that could mean some even heavier gusts, which could make a difference. So I think it's important. I don't think it's vital. So for if you guys out there are making your models on your own, again, I will give credit where credit is due. I use three different sites out there to build models and take kind of the 
the the consensus of them and that leads me towards a play i run a model on data golf i run a model on fantasy national i run a model on rick Rungood. so look i'm giving the shout out to all three of those guys i'm not a programmer so when i say i'm running a model it's not stuff that i'm putting in myself i don't yeah, know how same to do here. that stuff but I mean, shout yeah, out yeah, to yeah, all like, this all the software providers out there they're yes, all they're yeah. all fantastic so like i get so many people who are like yeah man when i'm modeling and they'll be like oh can you teach me how to model i'm like no i cannot actually <laughs> I, I, I cannot at all i can tell you how to plug stuff into a model i cannot I tell can you how to pay 200 a year and become a better golf better yeah yeah so uh, again i i what i do is i use three different ones algorithms i think if the algorithms agree on a player then that at least is kind of pointing me in the right direction so that's kind of how i go about all that so if you're building your own models out there i can give you kind of what i was looking at john can kind of give you what he's looking at i i was pretty heavy off the tee i think again if, if off the tee driving distance driving actually are super super important to me i'm super heavy on that this week as well. I did, I did approach and also did just like recent results approach to, to kind of see which guys are kind of coming in really striking the ball good, because this could be one of those deals where, um, you know, with the big greens, with the stuff, like I don't want guys having to, you know, putt from a mile away. And so, so, so I do have that in there. We already talked about the, the distance and accuracy F sand saves, obviously just as a part of all of this, because they're going to be some guys that are going to have handy as sand. So I did put that in there strokes gained 450 to 500 proximity from 175 to 200 and then 200 to 25 and then outside of that i did do a little lag putting because since it is big greens i don't want dudes who aren't at least going to give themselves kind of a tap in on that next putt so i did approach putt performance in the model for me as well this week so those are the stats that i'm pretty heavy on i did a couple little tiebreaker stuff where i just put it at like one percent if i was kind of hung up on a player opportunities gained. so if a guy just you know if, if i'm trying to lean one way or another on a guy you know if a guy's a little bit closer and giving himself more opportunities to make birdies i did put that in there but not weighed heavily enough for me to really tell people to to put that into the model john what did you kind of land on this week yeah i think a lot of overlap there mm. um uh performance of majors i think is one that maybe I put in a mixed condition model to differentiate what I'm looking at a little bit more. Um, it's hard to, to rely on a stat model in links golf because I, I wrote about this in my preview, but a lot of these guys over the last 12 rounds played the John Deere classic, the rocket yep. mortgage and the travelers. And I don't necessarily think that the way that they hit their irons from 150 to 200 is going to translate to anything on these courses. Um, I also don't know if bogey avoidance matters when you're playing a bunch of birdie fest going into this. So that's why I leaned a lot on major performance. I think there's a lot of characteristics of this golf course that are going to make it difficult and put a emphasis on the same areas that are important at other majors. And that's that long par fours, the 450 plus par four is very important. Long par fives, um, par five scored from 600 to 650. I think you can actually get some separation from the field here. Um, there's some bombers who 600 yards is reachable for mm -hmm. them. And there's Guys like uh, Matt Kuchar, who are actually great at par five scoring when it's a three-shot hole because they're really elite with wedges. So right. I think those whole ranges are important to me. Um, double bogey avoidance combined with bogey avoidance is something I put in here again. Um, I think bogey avoidance is a little bit of a flawed stat because if you're playing easy courses, you're just not going to make as much bogeys. Um, but long-term and folding in doubles, I think doubles is where you're bringing in like there was a hazard in play on this hole and I knew it was there and I still hit it into that hazard. Um, so anecdotally, like somebody who does not make yeah. doubles, um, I feel like that translates well here. Uh, Russell Henley, interesting enough, was number one in double bogey avoidance. It actually makes sense to me because he's so, so accurate um, with the driver and, and the approach. So I think that's a specialty stat I'm looking for. And then, like you said, 
long irons uh, approach. I'm putting off the tee number one, um, and then all of those stri- uh, scrambling st- statistics. Um, and I have weighted putting, uh, three putt avoidance, uh, putting on slow greens, which is very unique to Lynx Golf. It's something you can pick up on and uh, select PGA Tour courses, and then just total overall putting uh, combined into that. Um, so Stephen, if you I weren't as heavy on distance, that percentage had to go somewhere else. Um, what did you, where do you differentiate, differentiate from, from John and I this week? Um, again, a lot of overlap, but heavy on stroke skiing approach and the one kind of yardage range in particular scoring on John kind of mentioned this par fours from 450 to 500, um, seven of the 11 or sorry, seven of the 18 holes on this course, at least on the scorecard are within either in that range or within a couple yards of it. So um, can you do damage on those holes or at least avoid disaster was it was a big portion of it. So I would say if I'm picking one thing where I took the driving distance away, I'd probably put it towards that. Um, but overall, in, in a major, just trying to have the most well-rounded model I can. There's some weeks where I, I don't have putting in there. I, I have very little strokes gained around the green because it's a birdie fest and I just want guys that are hitting or getting opportunities. Um, you know, with the uncertainty with the weather and just the nature of Lynx golf, I just want to have as well-rounded of a situation as I can. But certainly, unlike a lot of PGA Tour events, um, emphasizing accuracy off the tee a little bit more than driving distance there. Um, but I guess, you know, better minds can differ on that because we disagree a little bit there. So let's get into kind of where our models split out some stuff and what we ended up putting on our card. I, we don't talk about picks beforehand, so... I do want to bring up a player, and if you guys have it, then we can discuss it. And if not, then we can just kind of have a roundtable here. But we know Cam Smith wins this last year. Mm-hmm. If, do do does any, do either of you have him on your your card this week? No, no, I, I've actually hard fade on Cam Smith and looking. So for that's where I was going with this, right? So exploit. he's actually a target for me this 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 week, and I'm going to be going after him as much as humanly possible because I think people are going to look. The win on live, the win here last, you know, the win on, at least at the open, not here, but like the win in the open last year, all of that. And I think people might get wrapped up in that a little bit too much and not really look at what we are looking at, which is this is a guy that's not long and he's not accurate. So like he doesn't have either one of the two things that we're looking at off of the tee. And you last year, it was like the perfect storm too, because you could miss by 30. You just end up on another fairway. Like you can just like go and like, you can play from anywhere and all that. And like that fits his game perfectly fine. That's not going to be the case this week. You could miss, you could end up in one of these bunkers. You could end up in really bad fescue. There's actually a couple different holes. John, correct me if I'm mistaken, but like not too far off. There's actually some, some out of bounds as well. Like on some of these holes too, where he could find trouble. So, I think he's a super hard fade for me this week. Like a, my number one target in head to heads is going to be against Cam Smith. And I'm not going to say I'm going to play everybody against him, but so long as it is a guy that I'm not down on, I'm probably going to be going after him pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I love Cam Smith at, at the U S open uh, one good amount of money, a top live player. He, he cashed on top 10, he cashed on. Um, and that's a generous fairway where you can, spray it out. You don't really have to worry about being too accurate. That's how he won at, uh, at St. Andrews. So I think that's exactly the juxtaposition that we're working here. When we talk about year over year open is that we're going from wide open. You can't miss the fairways to extremely tight internal out of bounds, like a yard or two off of the fairway where precision is paramount. And he's not even that accurate with less than driver. Um, Mm. 
he, I think that that Sawgrass win statistically is a little misleading because he lost about five or six strokes off the tee and gained about 10 putting. So he didn't really play Sawgrass the way that it's intended to. Yeah. Um, if you win 10, if you gain 10 strokes putting on any course, you have a chance to win. It's just not right. very sustainable to expect him to do that again. So um, I feel, uh, I, I feel like we're on the same page with Cam Smith target against him. I think a, a Brooks versus Cam Smith is a market that, that books will probably post. And I would, I would love to get a piece of Brooks in that. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Steven, let's uh, let's get to looking at your card, my friend. Let's uh, let's see what outright you've already got in the account. And listen, we're doing this pretty early in the week. So with that being said, we might make some additions to the card. This is yet another reason why you want to be a member of the Discord. Again, head to lines.com, upper right-hand corner. You can go ahead and get in for free. So any additions we make, we all we, we post our full cards in there every week. So just be sure and, and do that. But this is at least where we stand on Monday in the evening. For sure. Definitely fading top of the board. Um, so just trying to beat the top three names of McElroy, Scheffler, and Rahm at the prices we're being offered. Also, Cam Smith being fourth is going to give me a little bit better odds as well on some some of these guys down the board. Um, to be honest with you, got this idea from John's preview post, and I think he's dead on with it. Brooks Kepka, anything that starts with a two, I'm not going to call it a misprice, but I'd say it's you know a, a larger number than it should be. Um, I know that his major wins have come in the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, but he's been no slouch at the Open Championship either before he had his injury situations. He has four top tens at the Open Championship, and he also had a T4 and a T6 in 2019 and 2021, respectively. He knows how to play this style of golf as well, even though he hasn't won the Open Championship yet. Um, I just think... When he was in his prime and winning multiple majors over that couple of year stretch, 
his number didn't start with a two. His number was sometimes shorter than 15 to one in that elite tier. So I'm going to take advantage of that, considering I think there are some red flags with with guys that are above him. And that's where I'm going to start my card. Admittedly, I was down to him or Victor Hovland in this uh, to start my card. And Vic just kind of didn't quite make the cut there. Uh, I think if he is going to win a major, the open makes a lot of sense as his first at some point. So that will be my biggest regret is if Vic Hovland wins, but he, he didn't make my card. Uh, and then we'll get into the rest of my card in a little bit here. But with so many futures, I was able to lock in on, on some guys at numbers that don't exist anymore. It allowed me to go with a much longer card than I typically would. Um, yeah. So we'll get in, you know, Ricky Fowler. I, I can't advise betting him shorter than 25 to one right now, even though I got him at 100 to one. But he still is finishing pretty high in all of the variations of the modeling that we've that I've done this week. So wouldn't shock me in the least if Fowler wins, but the best of the number is long gone on him. Uh, John, let's uh, let's get to your outright card and let's talk about some of the guys that you have towards towards the top here. Yeah, I guess just to start with Brooks, uh, it's probably wrote more words about why I think Brooks is set up perfectly for this course in the spotlight feature of the article that I can remember writing about any given player. There are about 10 reasons I can think of of why this course is a perfect setup for Brooks Kepka. Um, and I thought that after he won the PGA championship that we were done seeing the twenties as Steve mentioned, <laughs> yeah, me I, I too, thought man. that in majors, it became a big four after that week. And you were never going to see a 20 in the immediate next, you know, five majors uh, on Brooks along with, uh, Rory, Scotty, and Rom. Um, and the number is moving. It's getting better by the week. It, it started at 20, and I thought I better jump on this. And uh, thankfully, I was able to cash out because it, you can get a 25 to 1 still to this moment in uh, like a Bet Rivers Enhance, which is legal in, in the great state of New Jersey. So um, I'm on Brooks Kepka at 25 to 1. Um, I'm not, I've missed out on every Brooks week, all, all five of the prior ones. So, uh, I'm not somebody who screams from the mountaintops and has like this great history betting Brooks. Uh, I'm usually one who goes into a major and finds all the reasons to resist betting Brooks. Um, and nobody I has, cannot for the record, one. for the record, John, nobody has more Brooks Kepka pain than me. Had him <laughs> against Rom at the masters this year, had him loot and he lost to Phil fricking Mickelson at the PGA championship. Both 50 to one numbers win shortly after a major at like half the price when I didn't bet them. So one time Brooks, please. <laughs> yeah. And mind you like the 2021 PJ championship at Kiowa, maybe one of the better examples of wind exposed driver accuracy prevalent uh, majors. And now Phil is obviously not, not that Phil was a contender going into that week, but I, would be shocked if Phil Nicholson uh, performed the same way this week. Um, <laughs> and I'll, nobody looked good in that PGA championship with the exception of Brooks and Phil for the most part. So uh, I think that's an important thing to look at when we look at just putting in the wind that was severely affected. Uh, a lot of guys commented afterwards that they just were not used to reading greens where the wind was going to affect it. And that's absolutely going to be the case um, at Port Rush. So anywhere where we're seeing super windy coastal, slow green putting. I'm going to reference that. And, and Brooks has passed that test as well. So um, definitely starting with Brooks and I'm still trying to make a decision at the top of my board. Um, I, I've essentially left it where I'm either going to bet John Rom at about 14 to one, mm. or I'm going to bet both Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa. 
Uh, I'm going to allow the tea times to try to sway me tomorrow and see if we can get any sort of weather advantage, wave advantage. Um, if anything looks dubious with Rom and, and I'm not loving um, his wave split, then I may go the other route. But I am kind of leaning towards John Rom in another example of uh, trying to figure out why this, why the odds are drifting in the other direction. Um, I think he stacks up pretty similarly in terms of recent form, recent results as he did going into the Masters, where he was definitely the third guy. There were two favorites ahead of him. At the Masters, he was 9-1, to one, so it wasn't, wasn't a number that I was going to jump on. He obviously won the Masters, coming off a very disappointing, essentially a missed cut at the match play the week before where I actually bet him in that, and he got swept. Uh, lost to Billy Horschel, who hasn't looked like a professional golfer in, in over hmm. a year. Um, so he looked completely lost and bounced back just fine off of that. He missed the cut. At the Travelers in his previous start before this, um, but that doesn't seem to matter with John Rahm. Um, obviously, you know a devout European, very, very into his European lineage. The Ryder Cup means a lot to him. Um, has always played well in Lakes Golf. Has a, a couple top tens to his name. Um, I, I know it would mean a lot to him to have a claret jug, and his career would feel incomplete without one. Um, a little, I don't know if I'm taking the easy way out by trying to bet two of the three major winners already this season. Um, but I do think there is something to being able to prove that you're able to close the door in high pressure situations. Uh, and there's a lot of nervy shots down the stretch of this. The last three holes here are no joke and you have to really step up and hit tough shots. Um, so that is leading me towards a more concentrated card of proven winners. Matt, let me sneak in a, a quick follow-up here. I imagine, sure. John, I suspect that you're waiting for the tee times and the potential wave splits because you are at least a little bit concerned about Rom's accuracy off the tee and the way he sprayed it at times this year because, yes, he won the Masters, but also a course with some of the widest fairways on of any event all year. Is that a fair uh, situation to or how to describe it? Uh, a little bit. I also think the uh, softness of the course is going to affect it as well. Because if we're in a situation where it's it rained today on Monday, and if it continues to rain or just not get sunlight, then we're going to get a softer course that requires more co more carry distance, does not allow you to hit these sort of runners and burners off the tee, less than driver. Um, and that I actually think plays into Rom's advantage. Um, obviously, he's not the best in terms of like fairways hit. Um, but that's because, you know, if he's, he knows that he can hit the driver and not have crazy dispersion. So, um, I, I don't consider Rom to be this like spray it all over the place kind of driver, um, total strokes in off the tee. He's fine. Distance, obviously good. Uh, I would like to see the driving accuracy look a little bit better, but it's not enough to scare me off, um, in these conditions when I've seen him put some pretty good results together and pass open championships. Well, considering I was sweating an outright on him earlier this year after he got a lucky bounce off of a couple trees and a free drop in a parking lot, I hope he loses <laughs> a ball in the fescue just between yeah. us three. That's Steven, yeah, give us mind. the rest of your outright card. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, Brooks Kepka at the top. Um, you know, I, I would I, – I, if Fowler gets off to a little bit of a slow start, I, I might look for a live number on him. Um, and then I got a, a bunch of – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waiting. I have room – uh, to go up to four units and have somebody in that 35 to 55 to one range. And I think there's a lot of 
attractive names there that were kind of surfacing in the top 15 every time I, every way I, I split it here. So um, I think Justin Rose is an interesting candidate here. He has a lot of open championship experience. He's having his best year in a long time this year, obviously very accurate. Um, the win at Pebble in a weak field, but also some contending as well in stronger fields. Um, Colin Morikawa as well, you know, obviously doesn't have the distance, but as straight as they come. And even if there's a, a fair, a bunker in the middle of the fairway, I mean, he's the kind of guy that can just pick a spot out there and put it there. He's one of the, one of, if not the most accurate off the tee, even though he sacrifices distance. Jordan Spieth is interesting to me, even though the form has been bad. I think this number has split because of the recent form, but it's really hard to argue against his, his history of Lynx golf. He has a top 20 finish at the open in six of his last seven appearances. That is, that is really impressive. So maybe not a win bet, but I, I certainly would consider a, a plus 140, uh, including ties at BetMGM for a top 20 finish for Jordan Spieth. Um, and then, I yeah, I think that's about it in that range I would look at. The, the other guy was popping for me that has not had good form recently is Tony Finau. And I think the price is right if you want to take a shot at him. Obviously has not won a major, but 55 to one is a heck of a lot longer than I thought we'd get on him when, you know, he's playing at his best. So that's, yeah, I can't get there. He has been so terrible lately. It's just like, he's, I mean, dude, he is seventh in one version of mine. He is ninth in another, he's sixth in another. And like, I, and the results are terrible. Yeah. And I just can't, and I just can't, I can't click the button. So that's, that'll be my, if he wins, I'll feel like an idiot guy because it's like typically if, he, if he's that high yeah. and the odds are that far off to me, that would be an auto bet for me. But I just, I just can't get there. Um, Similar with situation with Wyndham Clark too, like another guy that's surfaced a lot in, also, in the model. Let, for let, me. We'll get to my outright here, Stephen. Let's chill, so why don't we just right. chill, do why it. Don't we just chill the f out real quick. And this is we'll, going to be uh, interesting because we'll I pulled Clark off my card today, so I want to hear. I want to hear this. Yeah. So um, it's funny because a couple of the guys John talked about already made my card that he was that he was considering, um, and then same with you, Stephen. So Victor Hoblins, the the shortest guy on my card, twenty five to one. Look, if we're talking about elite drivers of the ball with distance and accuracy, I mean, he's right there when it comes to all that. And I'll look, the, we understand the short game, the wedges, all of that stuff is a problem for him. But listen, the good thing about this course is as long as you can keep it in the fairway and you can do it, like he could like bump seven irons up there if he wants to. I mean, seriously, like he can like not even put wedges in his hands if he doesn't want to do that. I mean, hell, if he's close enough, there's putting options, right? I mean, like seriously, like I know it sounds like silly, but it's he can keep these wedges and all these things that have been real problems for him kind of out of his hand. And so um, golf. I'll go ahead and hope that it all kind of culminates this week. So uh, I've got Vic Hovland on my card and I, I did go ahead and, and play Colin. I mean, if you look at the stat profile for, for Colin, I mean, especially what we got at rocket mortgage where he T2, right? I mean, 3.4 strokes off the tee, 5.9 approach, 2.7 around the green. He actually gained putting 3.3 as well. I mean, th this is kind of what we're looking for for peak when it comes to him. Yeah, he missed the cut at the Travelers, but you go back to the U.S. Open where he gained 2.2 off the tee, another 5.5 approach. This this is the type, th that's the Colin Morikawa, right, that, that we're looking for. We're always going to be a little iffy with the putter, but hell, he gained with the putter at the U.S. Open as well. And so that's what caught my me, attention, two, Matt. Three straight events where he's now gaining strokes putting. 
And if he's doing that, he's going to contend. Yeah, it, and so for me, it's just at the odds. I mean, you can still find a 35-1 to 1 out there on Colin Morikawa, and for me, that number just doesn't match up where he kind of fits in all this. So did play him. I mentioned the 37-1 to 1 on Ricky that I got about three weeks ago. That's down to 25. Like, I, my only advice with Ricky would be this. If you want to play Ricky, you better play him like as soon as you hear this podcast because like that number is only going to go down. Like He's the most popular dude that's going to – like every casual guy – that comes in and bets last minute on Wednesday night for this is going to bet Ricky Fowler. I mean, like this, the, the it's going to drop off the twenties into He's like 12 18. to one at one book right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, my only thing, if you're, if you're making the bet just to root for a dude, cause you want to have a Ricky ticket, make it now because that number is not going up. Like, I mean, he is going to get every casual bet and, and look, whatever. It's great. He, I'm glad Ricky's playing well and I'm glad he's a face of, of basically golf right now, but yeah, it's it's, it's only going to go up the opposite direction. So, I did play Wyndham Clark, and I, I there's a 65 to one that's available out there on Wyndham Clark. Listen, I I know it's he's won twice already this year, and I was like, if you look at the, what this guy's doing, I mean, especially where he can showing up in the model. I mean, dude, he's tenth in my 36 round. He's he is eighth in my no, he's seventh in my 24 round. Um, and it's just, I can't deny the fact that this guy's playing some of the best, most consistent golf on tour right now. And, and, and look, I get it. It's going to be hard to win three times in a year. We've seen people do it before. It's not to say that it can't be done. And obviously I don't think that the odds match up to where he is showing up from statistically what I'm looking for this week, right on Wyndham Clark. So I do have a, a Wyndham Clark ticket. I have a 100 to one on Sam Burns, and I know, I know, um, I know, y'all are both going to giggle because yeah, you I know Burns Burns more than any human being on the on the face of the planet. But that being said, bear with me here. Sam Burns at the Genesis gained 3.4 off the tee. He gained 1.4 around the green. He gained 3.3 putting. He just lost on approach. That's typically not Sammy's game, really. If you look the four tournaments prior, he gained all on approach. He is always going to be volatile off the tee. But the thing is, is that the number kind of reflects that right now. So, like, I'm willing to take yeah. on more variance and take on more risk the longer the number gets. Like, there's 100 to 1 available here in Vegas. There's still a 70 to 1 available rest of country on Sam Burns. And I think that at that point, you kind of embrace that, hey, if he has a bad, if he's bad off the tee in this tournament, no shot whatsoever. If, he's, if he is good off the tee in this tournament, considering what, he, what else he brings to the table, then I think this is going to be pretty interesting for him, certainly at the number that we get. And and look, all you really are looking for once you have a 70, 80 to one ticket in your account is to, for the guy to be in a position to to make you some money come Sunday, right? I mean, because we can always find ways to to turn that type of ticket into profit come Sunday. So I do have that. The only other guy that I'm considering, since y'all guys did, did put out a, a who are we considering type deal is, I'm looking at Cam Young, and I, I know the win equity on Cam Young is not there. It's just we're looking at 70 to 1 out there on him, 65-ish, 70 to 1. If I want a long and straight guy, I mean, this is a long and straight guy. He's gained in eight of the nine last tournaments off the tee and typically gaining multiple strokes off the tee on the field the the around the greens all right i mean the putting's just terrible right i mean that's just all there is to it. he can't putt at all but i mean can he catch fire for four rounds i i don't know but it's just the number that's the consideration it's not in the account quite yet i don't know if either one of you guys looked at all at, at cam young 
I have uh, fond memories of his first round lead at the Open last year. That was that was the one Likewise. good thing. I, I didn't hit Likewise. Cam Smith with the rest of the entire golf betting world, but I did get my Cam Young first round leader. So fond memories there. I, I am still considering going back to him in a first round leader. He mm. was one of the guys when we talk about total driving, um, who stands out there. So I I, I think. You're on to something there. Adding Paul to Sori hasn't paid immediate dividends, but I think a course like this where you need the experience, he's been on Webb Simpson's bag um, for plenty of open championships in the past. And I think that will be an asset to him and a change uh, since his success at last year's open. So um, he, he's definitely somebody I, I'm considering for sure. Um, and just to go back to um, a couple of your, your other points mm-hmm. with Wyndham Clark, I don't know if you guys saw Michael Kim's tweet today, but a very insightful recap of being on the course and his initial takeaways. Definitely encourage everybody uh, to check that out. He, it's one of those like a thousand character tweets, mm. very, very thorough. Uh, but he said the tee shots remind him of a combination of LACC and Quill Hollow, um, which is exactly what you want to hear as a Wyndham Clark better. <laughs> two places that he has won on the PGA Tour. Uh, the, the only reservation I had with Wyndham Clark, the reason I wasn't a full go is um, he lost strokes putting at the Open last year and at both of his first two Scottish Open appearances. And putting is kind of his bread and butter. So uh, it gave me a little bit of pause that somebody who's but the that was of his before game, the Odyssey freaking <laughs> jailbird. I mean, whatever jailbreak, whatever the hell it is like that was before the Odyssey. Like we all know that the Odyssey just makes the putts for you. You don't you don't have to actually be good at putting. You just swing it and the ball goes in the hole. Listen, somebody who bet Wyndham Clark last week for his T25 where he lost close to two strokes putting, I can, I can confirm it. it there are some, uh, some, some strokes that don't find the cup. If he manages to overcome that um, and win the Open, I will buy myself an Odyssey putter. I'll, I'll go on record as saying that. Uh, well, all right, guys, let's talk about a few that we didn't bet on the way out of here, just because there are going to be some yeah. people that are curious about some of these other names towards the top. And I do let, let's, you know, at least kind of rapid fire this, uh, you know, Terrell Hatton, a guy that was super popular last week. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, of course, several good finishes uh, recently. Xander, as we know, a winner last year at the Scottish. We've got um, Shane Lowry. We've got Matt Fitzpatrick, all these guys that, you know, Sometime or another, we have all kind of bet somewhere along the way. Uh, your thoughts just kind of rapid fire, Stephen, on any of those? Did any of those guys make your even consideration? Were any of them fades for any specific reason? Um, considered Lowry, but again, win equity. You know, he seems to just be a guy that contends all the time or, or finishes highly, but um, doesn't really contend all that often. Um, you know, maybe a first round leader consideration. You know, Tyrrell Hatton, I used to find entertaining with how irritable he is and how frustrated he gets. And I'm kind of getting tired of it. Um, You'd think a guy that grew up in England playing Lynx golf would have a little bit more patience with the game of golf. But, you know, it seems like when he gets a little bit of bad luck that goes his way with the conditions, he just blows up. And I'm not sure that's really an equation for for winning the Open Championship. So um, on top of that, Tommy Fleetwood, listen, I like the guy. He's. It'd be an awesome story if he if he won the Open, but um, has had chance after chance to close out tournaments and hasn't been able to do it. So you have to take a stand at some point when you're filling out a golf outright card. And if Tommy Fleetwood wins a major, then I, I tip my cap and, and move on to the next one and, and just say congratulations. But he will not be on my card. 
John, any of those guys um, that you considered or any of those guys that you might even be targeting for any reason? Yeah, I think I, I'm ultimately drawing the line of uh, I want a past major champion. I want somebody uh-huh. who I just think the closing stretch is so nervy. There's so much internal out of bounds, uh, which we haven't talked too much about that. But it's like it looks like it's just rough a couple of feet off the fairway and it's it's out of bounds. It's a stroke penalty. Mm-hmm. You got to move it out, move it out of there. So that's going to be unnerving, I think, for a lot of players. And it's it's a nerve any circumstance we saw with Wyndham Clark. Uh, on the 18th at, at LACC, like you're looking for a place to bail out with those yeah. nerves. Um, and that's just not here. So I want somebody with that mentality. They've done it before. They don't need this. They've done it before. They've won a major. Their life's not going to change significantly if they win this or not. It's just another major on, on my on my resume. Um, so, you know, guys like a Patrick Cantlay, I'm leaning away from now because for whatever reason, he just hasn't seemed to close the door. Still love him. Love the fit. Great off the tee should play well, you know, will be a top 10, top 20 consideration DFS play, all that good stuff, but outright win equity. That that's kind of where I draw the line on a player like him. Same thing with Fleetwood. I, I worry about coming down the stretch. Um, if he can close it out, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I don't know. He's obviously U S open winner. I don't know if you guys saw quotes from him this week. He essentially said, don't bet me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't play well at the open and my form's not good. So Take with that as you will. I'm going to take him at his word and not play him. So I guess he would be one of my fades uh, for that reason alone. I believe uh, his brother did auto qualify for this though. So I think he will be just a little bit motivated to not, not miss the cut, let's say, but I'm not going to right. him that right. If he misses the cut, yeah, he should go I, caddy for his brother. If he makes the cut, that'd be cool. The only other interesting one to me, and I just wish the odds were a little bit longer. And that's not to say that it's not that, that he's not going to make my card is Dustin Johnson. And the thing with him is like, you know, lack of data, right? Like we love, we love running our data stuff. We love running our model. We love being able to like point to reasons why we want to bet someone. And with the, the lack of, of tracking every stroke at live, it's, it's kind of a leap of faith type thing for me. But when we talk about the mentality and the stuff that we're kind of liking from, I mean, John, you just went into it about the stuff. Like if you want to have a dude that doesn't care about anything, like Dustin Johnson doesn't care about anything, right? I mean, like if he has to like 18, you are not going to have any nerves whatsoever with that dude. I don't know if he's ever been nervous about anything his whole life. And so, you know, if he's kind of there, I, I, I'm going to feel stupid if I don't have him on my card. It's just, you know, look, we're talking 33 ish to one. And it's a big leap of faith on a guy that I don't have a lot of data points to, to kind of point towards Matt. I got to give you two more names that, Again, speaking of not having data to back it up, that I still fired on, um, and they're at long numbers. The first is Tom Kim, who is 90 to 1. Um, I think he's not peaking because he had such a long stretch of just poor putting, and he's not great around the green. And he also had a stretch where he just couldn't figure out his irons after that's his bread and butter that led to his rise last year. Uh, But has done very well with Lynx golf and two appearances at the Scottish open um, at the travelers in the U S open game, more than five strokes on approach. So I think he's kind of figured that out. And at such a young age, I think he's a guy who um, has, has handled nerves pretty well in big situations, uh, including getting a win on the PGA tour twice already. Uh, the other name I'll mention here that is not backed up by data, but just my eyes tell me that if this thing gets crazy, UK type open weather, and it just gets more and more difficult. You can call this recency bias to bet Robert McIntyre after what we saw at the Scottish Open, 
but he also finished top 10 in his first two open championships before last year's open where it was the easiest conditions maybe ever for for the open at St Andrews with crazy double wide fairways no wind and and crazy rollout where it just turned into a putting contest but in actual traditional open conditions for a very young player to finish top 10 in his first two open championships and then to go out and basically need Rory McIlroy to hit some Hall of Fame level shots to beat him mm -hmm. in some of the toughest conditions where everybody on the course was shooting over par and he goes out and shoots well under par. Uh, that's a guy I want on my card this week. So that's another one I just took a shot on. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have like a super long. I mean, I guess, hell, weirdly enough, I guess Sam Burns is considered a super long shot. I have a hundred to one, but I mean, I, it's, it, I don't think I'm going to have kind of like that unproven guy on the card for me this week I just don't think it's applicable to this specific tournament but you know look if you want to have some some lunch money on one of those like bombs you know I, I'm never going to talk anybody kind of off of that um parting shots here John like we're not talking betting right Les because again we're we're like we're not talking betting who who wins this thing uh, I think Brooks has the best chance to win this thing. Um, I understand that Rory is a favorite and Scotty is unflappable. Um, and odds are, odds are fairly representative of how they should be. I would take Brooks heads up over Rory um, this week. Scotty does give me concerns, but again, mm -hmm. this is not, this is a course where the, the guys that Scotty is running circles around from tee to green can sort of close that gap. As long as you can hit a straight tee shot and you have the nerves to step up over a 200-yard approach shot into wind with regularity, mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a fair game, and I'll definitely take Brooks in a putting contest over Scotty if it comes to that. So um, I really think Brooks gets it done. I think this could be his second year where he gets multiple majors in a season, and... Uh, he hasn't shown any indication or any uh, like jinx in the armor for him. So um, I, I expect Brooks the top Kepka, 10. the official pick. All right. <laughs> who, who, who you pick? Right, Steven, again, we're not talking about odds or not, whatever. Who, who's going to win? I mean, Scotty's the most likely, but I'll, I'll call my shot here and say Ricky Fowler is going to win this open for all the talk. I of, love it. For all the talk of Rory McIlroy winning at this course, you know, ages ago, Ricky Fowler came in second. In that same open, he has shown he can play well here. And this resurgence of Ricky is not just some fad in weak fields. He has played legitimately top class golf um, and finally got a win in a weaker field. But we've seen we've seen Ricky win a player's championship in the most loaded field in golf at the time. He can win big events. And I think he's playing amazing golf and I think it all comes together here for him to contend. I'm calling my shot, Ricky Fowler. I could cop out and say Scotty Scheffler here. And then like, it would just be like, ha ha. Whenever he does, then just be like, how you idiots? But no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll go Vic. I listen. I think that he's, he's really, he's been really, really close. Right? I mean, he's really, really close. Yeah. And you take a look at the stuff that we like this week, if we're talking about approach play, if we're talking about being long and straight, I mean, like, that's what you get out of Vic. And I understand that there's much, you know, a lot to be desired when it comes to kind of the short game stuff. But I think this course could, depending on how creative he wants to get, maybe could take some of that away from him. The stuff that he really, really hates. He can just get creative with some of these other clubs and stuff. And, 
and maybe that helps him out this week. So I'm going to say Vic finally gets it done here. And of course, we will all be talking about this on Monday, and it's it'll be Scotty Scheffler. I mean, like, you know, you know, it'll be it'll be Scotty Scheffler. Like, I wouldn't. He's going to actually be that putt bad. to. I mean, he's going to putt to yeah. level, and all, and that is going to have him win by five strokes. Or yeah, like, like it's going to be it's going to be absurd. Like he's not even going to gain strokes. He's just going to putt level, and he's going to win by five. I'm in like the 230 person final on underdog uh, called the Albatross, and I have him like on the draft roster that I did. So if it helps me win 50k, I, I'm I'm fine with Scotty Scheffler winning this tournament. So we'll see. Good, we'll be rooting for you then, buddy. We will definitely be be rooting for you along the way. Again, guys, as always, you can get our full cards over on the Discord, absolutely free, and head over to the lines. Listen, the best preview you're going to get in the business is written by John each and every week. So be sure. And go over there and take a look at that before you make any of your bets, before you build any of your models. Listen, this was just our take on this. Maybe you get a different view. Maybe you get a different look at it. Maybe you want to put some different stats in there or weight things differently. So be sure and get all the information first and then go in and start doing it. And get to the Discord because I'm dropping a 29 to 1 top continental Europe placement here. Oh, secret pod play. There we go. Get Secret to the pod Discord. play coming in over on the uh, <laughs> over on the Discord. So there it is. Secret pod play coming from from Stephen for John for Stephen. I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Open Championship bets.